This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. So first up this hour, more and more people are turning to the internet to self-diagnose medical issues and this might be a problem. So this comes by way of a report in The Star recently where they spoke to a number of people on this issue of self-diagnosis and treatment. So they covered a number of things. Um, for one, they talked about warnings from the health fraternity about relying on self-diagnosis and self-medication. Um, they also talked about how some people were taking even expired medicines, um, you know, based on uh, wrongful information or perhaps a misunderstanding of information online. Um, and then there were interviews with patients who talked about how self-diagnosis, the internet helped them deal with some of their medical issues. So it's quite an interesting one. But it does also point to, I think, an increasingly um, an increasingly important aspect to how people think about health and where the internet and and this free access to information comes in. Absolutely. And uh, I think there's also concerns that, you know, that people might harm themselves as a consequence of these practices. But Instead of just dismissing people, Jamila, I think that, you know, one has to listen to why people have adopted some of these practices that are seen as problematic, right? So, for instance, people using uh, a pharmacist as a surrogate doctor uh, at a kind of local pharmacy or the Internet to at least get some basic information or in some in many instances, I think what we all do in some sense, if we have a condition that we've encountered for much of our lives, like a cold, like the common cold or we think is a common cold cold, we do what our doctors give us. You know, we go to and get the Panadol and the cough mixture and we wait it out uh, with a, a bowl of hops, hot soup and, and such. Hot honey lemon. Yes, hot honey lemon. The le- cure-all. Absolutely. Gargle, you know, with salt water. So it it's a, it's a tough one to... It's a tough one to entirely throw out because I think many of us might do it to a certain extent. I think where the danger lies is what that extent is and where to draw the line, right? Because for me, I find health information online helpful, uh, particularly in terms of knowing when I should seek medical help. Um, how long should a cold go on for before you get worried? Um, how much is normal? Um, you know, if, if something is wrong in one day, at what point should you go? At what point is it an emergency? All of those things, I think, are fair. I think, though, when you don't know how to tell the difference between accurate, well-researched health information online and all the websites that offer all sorts of solutions and cures that may not be true, um, or even in some cases actively steer people away from seeking medical help when they should be getting it, that's where it becomes a problem. And and as we've learned um, both throughout COVID, but increasingly also in terms of many aspects of scientific communication, there is a real problem with getting information online where the average internet user can't necessarily tell the difference between accurate information and nonsense. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff, uh, you know, that happens, say, on Instagram and people claiming to be experts and so on. And, I, you know, I've, I have done enough uh, doom scrolling through these <laughs> types of, um, uh, you know, it's almost like an advice column that somebody's kind of giving you some suggestions about your health. But at the same time, you know, I think we can't um, pretend that doctors are all knowing that they're always 
uh, accurate in their diagnosis, that hospitals will always uh, manage you in a way that is in your interest rather than their interest. And I mean, there's all this stuff that becomes um, part of that. What I think we both agree, Shamila, is the bad stuff, which is the conspiracy theories, the, the kind of... So there are narratives about why people don't want to go to doctors or the hospital. I mean, fear is a big thing, but also all of these things, people tend to mistrust uh, the system. Uh, they tend to feel that often healthcare professionals don't have empathy. Um, and so for all of those reasons, sometimes it becomes a lot more tempting to decide, well, this doesn't seem like, you know, there's plenty of information, I'll see what I can do. Um, but I don't know, I, I I think that thinking the internet can tell you what's wrong with you medically without seeing a healthcare professional uh, can be quite problematic for many people, especially when you're talking about more serious conditions. I think it's true of all information that's unfiltered and unframed in the internet, right? I mean, and this is what somebody with seven years of training might be able to do better than you yourself. Going a blog to set up by someone. Yeah, indeed. But I mean, again, I think the truth lies somewhere in between. Mm. And it, it, I think it, it isn't useful to just sort of dismiss people's, um, you know, and I think it comes out of a particular experience of the world, right? And feeling that, yes, there are these corporate agendas that are driving some of the big decisions that are being made, and, and they might be resistant to that. So then the question is how to have a sensible, evidence-based conversation about the choices that individuals have when faced with a medical condition. So we will be joined after this by Professor <laughs> Li Pingyin, who is a primary care physician from the Faculty of Medicine at University of Malaya. But we do want to hear from you. Do you look up health information online? When do you decide to see a doctor? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is 5.15. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about um, the rising number of people who are turning to the internet for self-diagnosing medical issues um, and what we need to be aware of when doing that. We'd like to hear from you. Do you look up health info online? When do you decide to see a doctor? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Professor Li Pingyin, primary care physician from the Faculty of Medicine at UM. Um, so let's start with how often do you see patients who have come in saying that they've looked up their own symptoms online, and what are they mostly? What do they mostly come in to see you? for? Mm, um, I think it's getting more often nowadays. So uh, previously it wasn't that often, but uh, it's getting more and more often. And also depends on where do we practice. Uh, in University of Malaya, I think there are more. and But in the more rural area, there'll be less. Maybe about like, um, I would say maybe about 20 to 30%. Yeah. And Prof is going to ask you, you know, just continue with that, you know, um, when people do come in, having had spent some time doing the self-diagnosis, uh, are we looking at serious ailments? Or are we just looking at your common cold and sniffles? Uh, usually when they come to see us, it's most likely it's more serious than just common cold, meaning they have tried and then it doesn't improve. Then they come and see us. 
Yeah, so those that actually having mild illness, uh, they probably self-medication, have self-medication or went, went to the private GP and their illness got improved, then they don't come to us actually. So in UC Malaya, we see those patients, usually it's not so like uh, minor illness because they usually have uh, seen some someone or they self-treat and not improved, then they come. Yeah. Why do you think this self-diagnosis and even self-treating or self-medicating is becoming common? Is it a question of convenience for the patients? Um, or is it that perhaps they don't trust the healthcare system? I think it's about whether they trust or not trust the healthcare system. I think it's more about um, the time and the cost of them going to see a doctor, you see. So, and uh, because uh, going to see a doctor is not so simple as you know, you go to the clinic to see a doctor, you probably need to spend the whole morning and uh, sometimes they, uh, their job will be affected. So, and also, of course, uh, the money they need to spend, the transport and all that, yeah. It's, it's more of that, I think. Now, we also see, you know, apart from the question of getting medical advice online, uh, one of the other common practices is seeking advice from pharmacists at, uh, you know, your local or commercial pharmacies. Uh, is it inadequate to seek advice from a pharmacist alone? It depends uh, what kind of advice you are talking about. If uh, advice to make a diagnosis and give treatment, I think it is inadequate because pharmacy are not trained to make diagnosis. But if it's just like um, patient already have the disease and they are given medication from the doctor, they just uh, go to the pharmacy to buy their medicine when their medicine finish and asking question related to the side effect and of the medication. I think that's fine actually. Yeah. Maybe just very briefly, you could tell us uh, what exactly is the proper role of pharmacists? Because maybe in the minds of a lot of ordinary people, a pharmacist is, you know, part of the medical profession. I mean, they're dealing with the drugs that they get uh, that are prescribed by the doctor. So what is and how should we adequately see pharmacists? I think pharmacists are well trained in knowing all the medications, the side effects, the interaction with other medications. They can give advice. But pharmacy are not trained to make diagnosis. So if you need advice from pharmacy about the medication you take, is it because of this medication causing you having some side effect? Probably they can give you advice. But in terms of making making diagnosis and giving you medication, uh, I don't think that is appropriate because we do see some cases where patients just go to pharmacy and diagnose to have certain disease and they take the medication for long term and patients come with a lot of side effects because that wasn't the right diagnosis. So actually this comes down to when is it safe to refer to online sources for medical advice or diagnosis and when should a patient decide they have to go see a doctor? Um, it's really like depends on the, each individual condition. And I would say mainly if you have minor illness like fever, cough, running nose, probably you can self-medicate. But um, to refer to online for other diagnoses, sometimes it may not be that reliable as you see because you can put in your symptoms in uh, online, like example nowadays called AI, chat, GPT and all that. 
it will give you a list of possible diagnoses, but it may not apply to your condition because, number one, it doesn't consider whether you have other illness, whether you have any family history of certain illness. And also, uh, sometimes when we make a diagnosis, it's not just by history of symptoms. A lot of time we need to examine and check the patient for certain sign and symptom of which the online platform can't do it. Yeah, but, but just generally, do you welcome the fact that uh, a lot of medical information is now available on, on the internet? Yeah, I think, yeah. There's, uh, the, the good thing is nowadays, the internet, you can search for a lot of medical information and some uh, website or platform are quite reliable, but there are some that is not reliable and uh, if you can go and Google search, some website will just like ever give advertisement and direct you to some alternative medicine and all those kind of things. So whenever you search information online, you have to be very, very careful. Yeah. So what are some ways that we can tell if a source or a website is reliable or not? Are there some uh, guidelines or benchmarks that we can keep in mind? I would say you have to check the, the source of uh, information from that online. If it's from like some, I think UK government have quite a number of online resources for patients. Those from UK government, uh, the, the NHS would be reliable. And I think our own government, the KKM, have some uh, information or resources online. Those are reliable. But those that um, the source are not like from the healthcare uh, system or government, uh, that you have to be very, very careful. Because a lot of time they just try to attract the user and try to uh, do some advertisement about some other treatment. They may ask you to buy some something, some supplement or something like that. Yeah. Now, you've already, you know, kind of given us a sense of what you think is driving people to these kind of practices. You mentioned costs and convenience, time and such. But do you think there are elements of, you know, kind of psychological, emotional needs that in fact lead patients to look up their symptoms online or to take online diagnosis seriously? Uh, you mean that psychologically? How, yeah, how? The, the patient has a need, right? They need to feel reassured. They they want mm -hmm. an instant diagnosis if they're feeling some pain, uh, you know, and so on. Do, to what extent can we address that dimension of the, um, the phenomenon? Yeah, I think it is not wrong to look for what's wrong with you when you have certain symptoms. But then, um, uh, I mean, psychologically, some patients may feel relief to know but then it is like not always 100% sure I think yeah it's still that it's good to get a professional consultation mm. especially those uh, illness that is more of like longer or chronic like if you, let's say you have some fever running nose for one or two days I think that's fine but if you're having the symptom for more than uh, two, three days, and you still rely on the online resources, that, that will be a bit uh, dangerous because you may delay the diagnosis of your problem and you may delay the treatment and all those things, yeah. Yeah, actually, I wanted you to expand on that because, you know, if patients only seek medical attention once the symptoms get worse or they persist, how will this ex affect the treatment and diagnosis um, and their subsequent health care? 
Yeah. Um. Of course, if I think if the disease is serious, if they delay it, it will delay the treatment. It may it may cross the the time that actually they they can get the best treatment. Example like previously the COVID, if like first few days they get the diagnosis, they may be okay. But if they delay and come with a late late symptom, then it's a bit hard. You know, so the other thing is like sometimes patients self medication uh, take take uh, their medication on their own. Um, it may also mask the symptoms for us to make a diagnosis. Example, like um, let's say a, a person having a meningitis, what we call a, a infection in the brain. But um, if the person having fever, it will start with fever first and all that. If a person having fever and then go and take antibiotics, sometimes when we take the uh, blood or other specimen to help us to make that diagnosis, we can't get the findings because the, the antibiotic, the self-medication with antibiotic may, may cover uh, what we can see from the test. So that, that may delay the diagnosis and all that, yeah. Probably. So one of the issues that came up in the STAR report that, you know, discussed the question of self-diagnosis was the use of expired medication. Um, mm. What's your advice on the risks of taking medication that's gone past its expiry date? Uh, my advice is do not take the medications that gone past the expiry date. So you can either go to a doctor to get a medication or if just a simple medication that you can buy from the pharmacy, you should get, a, I mean, the, the not expire one. Because there are many problems with expired medication. Number one, like the effectiveness would be less, meaning like the, the medication doesn't have the effect that it's supposed to have. Okay, so you take it, it, it won't help. Number two, it may even cause harm because some of the expired medications, certain antibiotics and other may have some toxic uh, compound after it expired. And the other thing, like uh, you, it, example, like uh, the eye drop, I think a lot of patients like to keep the eye, eye drop in the fridge for a long time and then they use it. That is really not advisable because after certain period, there will be bacteria growing in those uh, eye drop or, or, or some antibiotics. So when you take it, it, it can cause more harm, actually. There'll be bacteria, you know, cause infection and all that. Profly, yeah. we have about a minute left. Um, what would you like to leave us with? I would say uh, self-medication is, uh, it's not like totally cannot. If, if a person is young without any symptom, without any disease and all that, it's fine to just like one or two days, you have some fever, uh, running nose, you just take some Panadol to relieve your fever and all that. But if it's more than the period, you probably have to go and see a doctor. And But if the person is having some underlying disease like diabetes, old people, people with asthma, even with minor symptoms like this, it's advisable to go and see a doctor first because they may get worse even with just simple flu. Yeah. Profly, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah, okay.
That yeah. was Prof. Lee Ping Yin, primary care physician from the Faculty of Medicine at University of Malaya, uh, speaking to us about using the internet to self-diagnose medical issues. So we want to hear from you. Do you look up health information online? And when do you decide to see a doctor? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. It's 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We've been talking about self-diagnosing medical issues by going online, Dr. Google, basically. Um, Essentially, the star put out a, a report on how increasing number of people are turning to online information. Um, they highlighted some of the risks of that. So we've been asking you, do you look up health info online? When do you decide to see a doctor? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a number of thoughts coming in on this. Let's see. Um, why? says, I think using Google to search for relevant information about your ailment or condition is fair as it's just a search engine. And if you type in the right symptom or conditions that you're experiencing, this also goes to say that you should only select legitimate websites like WebMD because these websites will also tell you to seek medical help at the end of the articles. Yeah, so that's the default setting on a, on what we consider reliable websites. But I wonder if, uh, Shama, you've ever had an experience of going to the internet to check on your symptoms and being alarmed, thinking that you had a condition that was serious and then checking that with a doctor and finding it wasn't. In fact, I've just laid out the scenario of what happened to me. <laughs> so, so this was. sounds oddly personal and specific. <laughs> yeah, so tingly, tingly sensations in my toes wasn't, in fact, uh, a pre-diabetic condition that I thought mm-hmm. it was. And I did put a smile on my GP's face when I presented him with my facts. Well, I had a similar experience um, with blurry vision a few months ago, only to be told you need to change your glasses. So, <laughs> or wash them. Yeah, or wash them. So, no, you're absolutely right that um, one thing is, of course, reading too much of this information online without the relevant context can make you feel a little bit alarmist about most things. And then you start seeing serious issues even when they're not. Um, but I agree with why, actually, that um, it is... I also find it a helpful tool to at least get me thinking about the right um, the right things, um, whether I'm paying attention to the right symptoms. Um, and it's always helpful when they say, this is when you see a doctor. Vish says, I'm a student and I do resort to the internet, but as rationally as possible, as opposed to many people who may resort to fear immediately and think that they're suffering from a rare acute illness based on just one or two symptoms. I think many people need to learn how to cross-check various websites and resort to an actual doctor for appropriate medical advice. I normally use the internet to manage my symptoms with over-the-counter medication for common illnesses, doctors study what they do for many years for a reason. If we are privileged enough to access them, why not use them? Now, Vish, I think you sound like one of those sensible few, maybe, uh, of us who, you know, has a balanced approach to using the internet when it comes to medical conditions or health issues. Uh, But I think a lot of us are, in fact, those who, uh, for one reason or another, will panic, will think they have, uh, you know, one of those rare acute illnesses. Uh, And because there is this, and we asked our previous guest, Professor Lee, about this, I mean, the psychological and emotional needs that uh, that emerge when you are unwell and it does predispose you to thinking more negatively about your condition rather than have, as Vish, you have a rather balanced view of the, the whole operation as it were. 
I just wanted to um, pick out one thing you said, Vish, which is about needing to learn how to cross-check websites. And I think that that is actually more difficult to teach people than we might think. Uh, Media literacy is increasingly important, not just because you're a consumer of news, but because simply information about practically everything these days comes from online. And so more people just need to be told how to tell when information is accurate, when it's not uh, being framed through particular lenses. And I think that's actually quite tough to do. Um, We also have, let's see... Ah, we see Mario. Uh, we have Mario saying self-diagnosis is due to a lack of trust in the medical and healthcare system, and it's been reported that the hospitals are overcrowded. They may not be able to provide service. It's good to keep full records of symptoms frequently so that doctors can make a good study for diagnosis. We may subscribe to a number of diagnostic tests. If the diagnostics show serious signs of disease, then the need for self-diagnosis becomes redundant, as now serious treatment is the prognosis. The main motive for self-diagnosis is money, money, money. Hospital treatment is expensive. Yeah, Mario, you're absolutely right about the expenses. It is something that is reshaping people's attitudes towards GPs, uh, healthcare in general. Um, But uh, the question of trust is a curious one, I think, because you do see in some people when they... Uh, you know, when their trust in the medical, uh, mainstream medical health and healthcare systems and pharmaceutical companies uh, disappears, they then uh, shift their trust wholly to some of the people online who now kind of um, project themselves as being against those big companies, against big pharma, and then take on the the mantle of a somewhat heroic figure trying to tell the truth. And I don't know if this shifting of trust from one entity to another is necessarily a sensible thing to do. So absolutely this, right? I find it quite odd when people talk about a lack of trust in doctors or hospitals or a system, but then they're willing to put their trust in the hands of a stranger on the internet who has a certain set of ideals that perhaps might align better with yours. And there the question of trust becomes quite muddied, right? We do have a voice note that's come in. This is from Roberto. Certainly uh, always try to not to trust or to find any information on Google unless that I'm desperate or to look for the side effects or XYZ medication. Uh, Usually when I go to see the doctor is when I'm on excruciating pain only, and I cannot take it. Uh, usually, I try to allow my body to uh, recover or, uh, you know, build immune uh, protection by itself. But um, I never, never uh, go through Google and ask for XYZ medicine to automedicate myself. No, 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 no. That's a big no. And as much as possible, I try to get rid of expired medicine or once that I finish the, the treatment that the doctor sent me and there's still some medicine left over, I throw them away to avoid any, any situation. 
Uh, Roberto, thank you for that. Um, well, I think you and I might be on the same page. I almost never rely on online. Uh, I, I almost never decide on medication without a healthcare professional telling me what to take, except for the most generic of flu medications and so on, which you can buy over the counter. Yeah, but one thing, Roberto, you do mention, which is quite interesting, and I've heard this said to me before, is let your body heal itself, right? Especially when it comes to common cold and stuff like that. Don't quick, don't run to the clinic can get the medication. And I, I wonder about that advice. And I wonder if, Roberta, it, would, it applies only to yourself. Does it apply to your children? Or does anybody who have children or making a medical decision on behalf of other people apply the same standards? So they might be self-sacrificing, willing to suffer, you know, the torture of going through the symptoms. Will they use the same logic for those they under their care? Oh, this is actually a really interesting question, right? Because um, obviously the 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 response to a person choosing not to seek medical care is, well, it's your body, it's your right to do what you want to do with it. But what happens when you're making decisions for someone else? Um, just to close off on this side of things, at least, we do have Benjamin saying, searching for a diagnosis on Google is like reading a map. Anyone can open up a map and try to navigate. But at the end of the day, you'd put your money on either the scout or the sailor. Which I thought is a great analogy. Right. So the trained professional. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I think there must be something said about, um, and this may be a conversation for another day, is the kind of GPs we want. When we talk about primary health care, uh, what kind of GPs do you go to and what kind of personalities attract you? So keep those thoughts coming. We are asking you whether you look up health information online and when do you decide to see a doctor. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my, bfm eighty nine point nine, the Business Station.